Near his cross I stood. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled to think he died for me. My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood has spilled and helped to nail him there. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled to think he died for me. A second look he gave which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom paid. I die that you may live. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled to think he died for me. Amen. Thank you, Brother Stephen Stucy. And it is because there was someone who died on a tree for us that we can gather here to worship. As we said last Sunday at Easter, he's not on the tree anymore. He went to the grave, he rose, and we celebrate all that he is and all that he's done because of the resurrection. So glad that you're here today. If you're our guest, thank you for coming. Hope that you feel a warm welcome, and I also hope that you received the welcome gift at the front. If you did not, please, on the way out, be sure to stop by there and pick that up. A few things real quickly before we get into our time of worship this morning. I want to remind you of small groups. If you're not in one, you need to find one. It's good for your soul in every kind of way. I want to encourage you to be part of that. We have started the Discovery class, and if you'd like to be part of Discover Glendale, uh, that's going to meet at 930 back in room 110. There's other classes going on all across the, room, the building for uh, next Sunday. Find your place. Don't forget also Wednesday night, Return to Me. Uh, the study in the green and white book, if you have one, beautiful reminder of what it takes to just walk with God daily. I heard somebody wisely say, the hardest part of Christianity is that it's so daily. Sometimes it's easy to get up, sometimes we go down, but we just need to learn to walk with God daily. And that's what this book is about, helping us do it. Wednesday night, come in and let's continue that study all the way to the end. I think you'll be encouraged through it. A few other things to remember. If you are one of our youth, there's a hiking trip for you on Saturday. And you need to see Jenna today to make sure she knows that you're interested in going. So please find her right after the service today and sign up. There's also next Sunday going to be a... Uh, a meeting for those who are going to help with VBS. 
Uh, we want you to just stick around right after church, so plan on that. It's hard to believe, but it'll be here before you know it a couple months, so uh, all the preparation has to be done. That's VBS next Sunday after church. You can sign up online. Just go to our church webpage if you'd like to do it that way. A couple of other things real quick. Next Sunday, we're going to have a great time of fellowship. So you will see over on the table when you're leaving today, there is an announcement. It looks like this called Barn Fellowship. David and Jody Alexander are going to host us there at their farm. And uh, all the details are there, where to go, the time, and all those things. Uh, they're preparing it all for us. So I want to encourage you to plan now. Be a part of this church-wide fellowship. You will be blessed and you'll have a wonderful time. Don't forget, that's next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Put that on your calendar. We'll have a great time together. As we worship this morning, we remember that we worship Christ who died and rose from the grave. This morning, Brother Barry is going to be speaking from Matthew chapter 9. And in that, there's a variety of stories, stories of healings, stories of the mighty works of God. And when I was reading it earlier, I was reminded of something that John wrote that I think we need to remember. It was after the resurrection, and John is talking about Thomas, doubting Thomas. And Jesus comes to him after the resurrection and said, hey, look at my hands. Here's the hole in my side. And he adds this note, and I think this is interesting. Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. That's you. That's me. Jesus said, we are blessed. Because while we didn't walk with him when he was physically on earth, we're still walking with him today when we can't see him. You're blessed. So today, as you sing and you worship, I hope that you remember that God is with us and that God is here to speak to you. So worship in spirit and truth. Let's bow together for a prayer. Our praise team will be coming to lead us in just a moment. Our Father and our God, we're always amazed by your goodness to us. And we're mindful this morning that you have not just come and lived and died and rose from the grave, but that you are forever with your people even in this place, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is present. He's trying to speak. He's trying to change. God, help us to allow him to do his work. Father, I pray for each person here. May they know that they are blessed. Be with those who could not come, those who are sick and struggling. We pray, God, that you'd work in their lives and use us to be an encouragement to them. Father, bless your word today. May Christ be exalted by our songs and by our words. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship our Lord.
prayer together. Our Father, thank you for the great truth of the song confirmed throughout Scripture, Lord, that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. This morning, I pray that you would make us aware of our sin, but also aware of the even greater righteousness offered through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, help us to see as we look through these Scripture passages today of healing. Lord, you not only address the needs of the body, but the greater, deeper needs of the soul. I pray today that it would be well with our souls as we seek to walk with you. And Father, for someone here that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we pray with everything that we have that today would be the day of salvation because the Spirit and the Bride say come, and whosoever will, let them come. Have your way, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Let's go with 
Take your copy of God's Word. Open, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9, please. What a glorious day that will be when we will see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in the meantime, we've got a job to do. It's what Jesus says during the ascension, or rather what he has the angels say in his absence. When Jesus goes up and the disciples are standing there gazing, looking around, he says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who you saw go into heaven will likewise, will likewise come again in the same manner in which you have seen him go. And in the meantime, you and I have a job to do, and that is to tell the world of Jesus. Look with me in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. 
Getting into a boat, he crossed over and came into his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. He rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus, his disciples. And when the disciples saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, they said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And then those key words, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Look with me in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute, was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. If someone asked you for a definition, how would you define a miracle? Now, Webster's defines it as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, C.S. Lewis explained that a miracle is something unique that breaks a pattern so expected and established we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken. For example, if for thousands of years a woman can only become pregnant by intercourse with a man, then if she were to become pregnant without a man, it would be a miracle. And so we have the virgin birth. David Hume, the famous philosopher, spoke against miracles, but he defined them as a transgression of a law of nature by a particular volition of the deity or by the interposition of some invisible agent, whatever that means. 
I would define a miracle as when something outside of time and space enters time and space and turns the world upside down. And when we really believe, the world will know the difference that it makes. In fact, David Hume was said to often attend the revival services of George Whitfield, preacher of some of the great awakening services during Hume's lifetime. And he was asked one time, do you believe what Whitfield preaches? You don't even believe that yourself. He said, no, but he does. Because Whitfield truly believed it. It was compelling. And brothers and sisters, when we truly believe in the miracles of Christ, it will be compelling when they will see it, not by our words, but by our love. You know, Augustine, the early church father, used to say, I try to understand in order to believe, but he later said, I now believe in order to understand. It's not come and get all your questions answered. It's come to the one who is the answer, who will absolve you of all your questions. And so we see this played out in several scenes in Matthew 9. We have the paralytic. Jesus returns to his own city, which would have been Capernaum, his home base in Galilee, and it said that this man brought his bed with him. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now the scribes and the Pharisees would have grumbled. They would have said, This man is blaspheming. They would have said, You're not working the way that you're supposed to be working. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, as he so often does, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise and walk. See, Jesus never healed the body without also examining the soul. And here are the crowds wanting healing without understanding that the deeper need of their soul is the salvation from sin. Somebody said the healing of physical suffering is only cosmetic if a sinful heart is not given into the care of the great physician. Because the root of all suffering is ultimately sin. It's not as if we're trying to make the world uh, a better place. It's not as if if everybody can just get along and hold hands and be friends, the world will be as one. It's a great thought. It's just not true because at the root of every problem in our lives is sin, either in your life or in the world due to the human condition. The heart of the problem has always been the problem of the heart. And only when sin is forgiven will sickness and death ultimately be no more. But Jesus says, so that you may know, understanding human beings and our own frailty and our own misunderstanding, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And the Bible says he rose and he went home. And when the crowds saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Now, the issue of authority keeps resurfacing in Jesus' ministry. The scribes and the Pharisees don't care very much for it, but the centurion earlier had recognized it. The winds and the waves had ceased at the sound of his voice. You and I will often see authority as a curse, but the scripture sees it as a blessing. It says creation has been groaning for a ruler, and now he has come. So the same God who has authority over all creation and over all of life also has authority over your life. And when you submit to him, something miraculously occurs. 
the yielding of God's spirit in your life. We're given a second theme. It is a girl restored to life and a woman healed. A ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. You think about this ruler. We don't know anything about him other than he knows that his daughter's died and he says to Jesus, if you come and you lay your hand on her, I know that she will live. That is what you call bold, audacious faith. And the Bible says that Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And while they were on their way, behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment because she said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. You know, most of the miracles in Jesus' ministry occur when he was interrupted. On his way to do one thing, Somebody stops him to do something else. And if you live your life so regimented according to a schedule that you don't allow for the interruption of of God's spirit, you may miss out on exactly what he has for you. Good to be organized, good to have a plan, but to listen to the spirit of God. That's what Jesus does here. He allows himself to be interrupted, and he turns and he says to her one of the most profound phrases in all of the Bible, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman is made well. She is a woman of faith. But I want you to notice something about these miracles that take place. The actual healing, one writer said, is not in proportion to the amount of their faith, nor is the healing caused by their faith, but it's in response to their faith in Jesus as the one who can heal. Jesus says you can just have a faith of a little mustard seed and you'll be able to move mountains. It's not how much faith you have. It's not the proportion of the faith that you've been given. It's who your faith is in that makes the difference. Jesus, knowing this, comes to the ruler's house, sees the flute players and the noisy crowds, and he says, go away, for this girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laugh at him. They mock him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he goes in, he takes her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this goes throughout all the district. We're given a third scene. Two blind men follow Jesus around, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. So they recognize who David is as the one through whose line the world would be redeemed. And Jesus says, do you believe? that I am able to do this. They said, yes, Lord. And Jesus says, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. But it isn't just physical blindness that stops them. You can't see God with your eyes until you first see him with your heart. And over and over in Scripture, those who are given physical sight are first given spiritual sight. Even the reverse often takes place where the apostle Paul is blinded on the Damascus road for three days, but for the first time in his life, spiritually, he receives his sight. And Jesus does something incredibly unusual here. He sternly warns them. It's not the first time he does it. He says, don't tell anybody about it. But, of course, they go away and they do the opposite. They're Baptists. They they spread his fame throughout all the district. This scenario has been here before. Why were they not to say anything to anyone? Wouldn't you, if you were marketing or if you were 
branding, if you were hashtagging Jesus, wouldn't you want these miracles to go all around on all the social media accounts? Wouldn't you want everybody and their brother and their mother talking about the healings that take place? I can see them scheduling the interviews, promoting the ad campaigns, saying, hey, Jesus healed this guy, and yet Jesus is constantly telling them not to do it even though they won't listen. It's because he doesn't want the people to misunderstand his position. That his primary mission is not ultimately physical healing, but spiritual healing. That's the healing you and I need. Brothers and sisters, so often we pray for body parts in prayer meetings, and I'm not against it. But what we need to be praying for are the souls of men and women who need Jesus. We need to return to him. The physical is meant to point us to the spiritual. And they begin to see. Then finally, Jesus heals this man who is unable to speak. It says, as they were going away, keep noticing here, a lot of this is happening while they're spontaneously trying, traveling. They're just seeing opportunities to, to minister. They're looking for people to talk to. They've got the eyes of the Lord all around them, looking for areas to do ministry. You say, where do I find ministry? Open your eyes right where God has placed you. He'll give you the opportunity. This demon-oppressed man who was brought to him, And when the demon had been cast out, the man who could not speak spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. So they're all amazed. But the Pharisee said, listen to this, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Because, dear friends, when you're hard and right with God, you can't hear him and you can't see him even when he's right in front of you. I want you to notice, for the Pharisees, the place of faith becomes doubt. But for the Gentiles, the place of doubt becomes faith. Those who have sight, the Pharisees, are blinded. But those who are blind, the Gentiles, receive their sight. It is so easy to know about God and not truly know God. It is so easy to know the rules and not have the relationship. And so the question we have to ask is, what are we believing God for today? I think we're often guilty not of praying for things that are too great, but are praying for things that are too small. What are you asking God for in your life today? So there's two questions we need to ask ourselves as a result of these miracles. One, do you believe in the authority of Christ? Is he Lord? And then two, are you under the authority of Christ? Not only is he Lord of life, but is he Lord of your life? Look at what Jesus says. Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. The question has never been, is God able? The question has always been, do you believe? Think of what it's like to be blind, but think of the even greater problem to be spiritually blind. John Newton knew what that was like. He knew that he was once lost, but now he could see men and women living in darkness whom God has called to his marvelous light. And the question remains, do you really believe the gospel? That lame men walk, that blind men see, that demons get cast out, that strongholds of sin are broken, that dead sinners come 
alive. You know, science will often account for the natural. They want to be able to explain away everything, but they can't account for the supernatural, that a God outside time and space enters time and space in human form and in human flesh because in Luke 18, 27, we read those words of Jesus that what is impossible with man is possible with God. So you ask, how can you believe that the earth is created ex nihilo, out of nothing? How can you believe that the sun stood still? How can you believe that Jonah swallowed by a whale? And you and I believe in something far greater than that and stranger than that, that a dead man came back to life. Tell science to figure that one out. Use your empirical data to do so because we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And for those who believe in him, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And whosoever lives and believes in him shall never die. It sounds too good to be true, and yet it is true. We don't worship a corpse today. So we'd better not worship like corpses. We ought to sing, we ought to shout, we ought to pray like we're worshiping the living king of the universe because we are. And so I want to ask you, in particular this morning, as we come to a time of invitation and response in just a few moments, what are you personally asking God for in this year, in this season? Is there something going on with your family? that maybe only you and a few other people on the Lord knows about? Is there some kind of decision that you're trying to make? What are you asking God for in relation to your family? Then I want to ask you something else. What are you asking God for in relation to his church? Are you asking him to move? Are you asking for people to be revived? Are you asking people to come to Christ? And then what are you asking God in relation to his kingdom? Not just our church, but other churches. Not just this country, but, but other churches. Are you praying that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done? I want to give you a challenge this morning. Here it is. Don't be afraid to ask God for great things, not for yourself, but for his glory and for his honor. Father, I pray this morning that as we consider the awesome deeds of the Lord, how great is your name, Lord, you've said in your word that we haven't even been able to record all the miracles that have been done. These represent just a fraction of everything that you did and have done on our behalf. But we know they represent something greater, that the physical healing represents spiritual healing, that physical sight represents the even greater spiritual sight, that physically walking cannot even compare with spiritually walking in relationship with you day in and day out. And so it's my prayer now that we would be willing to believe and to trust you for great things. To you be the glory, great things you have done. Father, with our sin, with our doubt, whatever we have, let us know that we can come freely, without reserve. Let us come to the one who has given his all for us. Lord, I pray that we would ask you for things that are according to your will, that you would do great things among your people, in your church, in your kingdom, so that others may know that the greatest miracle of all is the gift of salvation, that Christ died for sinners. And today, if we turn to him in repentance and faith, we can have forgiveness, we can have life. And so help us, Lord, to trust you, to believe you by faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Would you stand with me as we come to this time of invitation, this time of response? God has spoken to you, and you just want to ask him to do something great among you. Maybe you need to come to join the church. Maybe you need to come for baptism. Maybe God's leading you to salvation. We'd love to show you all of those things from God's word. But while we sing, while we pray, would you ask him right now to meet you? Because he'll meet you right where you are while we sing, while we pray. seeking to draw closer to the Lord, praying for others. I'm thankful for those of you who are here today. We 
remind you, as Brother Jerry said at the close of the service, if you would grab a, an invite to the Alexander's Farm next Sunday, Brother Jerry would be handing those out. I think they just want an RSVP. Everything's free. They just want to know how many uh, to prepare food for, so keep that in mind. Uh, if you can, if you want to work with VBS, uh, we'd love to have your help. There is a form online that you can sign up for on uh, Facebook, also on our e-newsletter. You can see Jenna about that, and she'll help you as well. And then we also have about seven bags left. So for the people who came to our Easter event, there were 25 families and indicated they were unchurched, and we've contacted them all through card writing and texting and other things, and then we've got their address inside those bags. It's just a gift bag. It's like a pop-in bag. Thank you for popping in. We got, like, popcorn. We got a pop-up ring. I don't know what else. I think we got soda pop. We didn't put a pop-tart in there. We should have thought of that. But it's got all that stuff, just thanking them. Uh, if you want to grab one of those bags, it's got an address on it. All you got to do is drop it off at their home, knock on the door, and say, thank you for coming. We've got about seven of those left. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Well, let's pray together, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, how grateful we are that the way you work each and every day in ways in which we can't see. Thank you for these, your faithful people, Lord, who have served faithfully in this Easter season and have done so without complaint. And I just pray as we seek to, Lord, bring in, raise up, and send out a generation that's all in for Christ, that we would be faithful to the cause that you've given us. Help us not to grow weary in well-doing. Lord, I pray for those who are here thinking about joining with us, that you would move in their hearts just to confirm to them that it's your will. And uh, we will trust you for that.